episode 126 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Stuart Butler, and I'm joined today with Melissa Cavanaugh. Howdy ho! And Phil Fariska. Hey everybody. And joining us all the way from Oregon, we have Will Slickers on the line. How are you, Will? Doing great, guys. I'm excited to be on the show. So for those of you that don't know Will, Will has a podcast. It's Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast with Will Slickers. And that it's a show I was on recently. We talked about it a couple of episodes ago. And he does some really good, deep interviews with folks that are kind of just doing different things in the industry. I'm, I'm learning a lot from his show. So we figured we'd um, tap his brain. Will comes from the operational background on hotels. He's a front office manager at a property. And you know, we talk a lot in this industry about the gap between operations and marketing. We're obviously marketers here at Fuel Travel, but Will's a, an operations guy. So we brought him in. So we're going to talk about five different things you can do as a hotel to bridge that gap and make sure that there's alignment between your operational team and your marketing team. Does that sound exciting? Definitely. All right. So now I've talked about hospitality and hotel stuff. I got in trouble last week because we went five minutes talking about Halloween before we even talked about hotel stuff. But now I've got that out of the way. All I can say to you guys is McClunky. And you're looking at me like, what in the world is that? What is McClunky? Well, you know, you know. Previously, my favorite word in this world was plinth, right? Yes. I just like, like the word plinth. I don't know why. My new favorite word is McClunky. So, I, I'm sure you know that Disney Plus launched this week. Yes, right? that, you, uh, even I know. Yet? No. Phil, did you sign up yet? No, not oh, yet. Oh man. So I was a pre-order kind of a guy because they got this new show on there called The Mandalorian, right? Which is a the first live-action Star Wars show, which is phenomenal. Oh, I thought it was a movie. It's a show? No, it's a show. They've already done two episodes, and they're rolling out one more episode every Friday for the next, you know, Oh, they're making you so. wait for it? Oh, yeah. It's great, though. It's it's very cliffhangery and it's it's a good show. Really good so far. But everyone was thinking that was going to be the big Star Wars news out of Disney+. Plus. But no, the way the internet works, and I love the internet sometimes when it takes something so ridiculous and makes it a thing... <laughs> So, do you remember several years ago, there was this whole big ordeal because in the special editions of Star Wars, they changed um, Han from shooting first to this alien character, Greedo, to shoot first. Right. To make Han less of a scoundrel. And the the fans were, like, pissed at this. They were like, this Han, no, shot, Han first. shot first is, is, like, this big meme, right? So, unbeknownst to anyone, they just silently rolled out the original Star Wars trilogy on Disney+, Plus with a slight modification to that scene. And in it, the alien creature, before he shoots first, he still shoots first, randomly shouts out the word McClunky for <laughs> no apparent reason. It looks really weird, really forced, makes no sense. There's a lot of theories about why it's been done and, and things like that. And, and people have actually pointed to the word is used in The Phantom Menace as well. But the word McClunky, which in the context means I'm going to kill you, I'm going to end you or, you know, some kind of threat has become this um, this mammoth thing on the internet this week. Like, the, it's been trending it on Twitter. It sounds like a McDonald's drive through thing to me. I don't know, but <laughs> McClunky means nothing, but it means everything to the internet. And that's why I love the internet. And that's why I love marketing. It's so good. Wow. So, I'll still say it pertains to going through McDonald's drive through because it's always McClunky. <laughs> McClunky. Always, every time. <laughs> that's pretty funny. But McClunky, I'm going to start using it in the office like Smurfs. Use the word Smurf. You know, you can just use it for anything that you want to throw. So, so be aware. So we might we, we just need to throw it into the show every now and again. Like McClunky. That's a McClunky fact. Yeah. Will, are you a Star Wars fan? 
huge Star Wars fan. I didn't know The Mandalorian was a TV show, but now I do. So now oh, I'm even more great, man. I want to spoil it so bad. There's such a good. The end of the first episode has this thing that just will get every Star Wars kid excited again, like they were when they first watched the show. It's amazing. I think I'm going to wait till they all come out. Don't do and, it. Don't do it. Because you you want to avoid the spoilers, and you will not be able to avoid. It. I've already seen too many headlines that ruin the first episode so you've got to go watch it it's like five bucks a month I'm i don't kidding. know melissa's pretty good at avoiding spoilers i don't internet a lot yeah <laughs> mcclunky that's all i can say okay all right talking to mcclunkies do we have some news of roost today we do we, we have do. some news of roost. all right let's jump in with the jingle with hotel marketing they cannot lose now it's time for news of roost all right we have some Google newsaroos today, and we're saying welcome to Bert. No, not Bert and Ernie, but Bert is Google's new neural network-based technique, and it is, stands for the bi-directional encoder representations from Transformers. That's all you need to know. That's it. That explains everything. Is it? Per- if it's perfectly clear now what this is, right? <laughs> the nerd in me, if you actually break that down and what what it's, it actually does tell you what it is in the name. It's really hard, and you got to kind of sure you have it. to encode the encoder, you have to decode the <laughs> encoder, you've got to decode it, right? Yeah, but it's basically saying transdirectional. So it's meaning that they're getting more sophisticated now in semantics, understanding the meaning and the intent of a search query. So instead of just kind of looking at a word in isolation. They're now looking bi-directionally. So in front, what words are in front of and it? And backwards, what words which is important. It to understand context. And the article that we'll link to has a really good example about where some fishermen refer to a certain species of, of bass as a cow. And so if you were searching for cow fishing previously, you'd get a bunch of results about cows. And now if you search for cow fishing, it's actually about the, the specific type of bass since the BERT algorithm updated. So it, it's taking a look at every word in the entire sentence forward and backwards to cobble together a better understanding of the semantics. So from an SEO perspective, this could be, well, let's just say it's changing the industry again. Yeah, but, but is from it? A, I would I would say so. And when you're referring to search volumes and what Google's referring to is now semantically relevant, will change. So uh, I'm I'm curious to see what 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 transpires after this. But, but the bottom um, line is you can't optimize for it. You no, just have to go along with not. what's best for the consumer and write what's best for the well, consumer. I think I think that's exactly the point. So this whole thing is about what's best for the for the searcher, right? So you, the searcher is getting the a better result and that's all Google's trying to do is provide a better result. So, right. so so let's add into this the second news of right, which is about Google making a local update. The or an update to the local algorithm. People are mad. People are mad because there's a big shift in ranking, right? Because mm-hmm. everyone's so beholden to rankings, which you need to stop that. Everyone needs to stop focusing on the rankings, start focusing on the business results that you're getting from search, right? So what this has done is it's put an increased emphasis, once again, because previous algorithm changes have done this too, but on proximity, how close you the person is on a mobile device, how close they are to your business. And the closer they are, the more it's going to favor you. That's a great thing for the consumer. And going into what you were saying about Bert with the semantics, SEO and what Google's trying to accomplish is just to match the intent of the consumer understand that intent and match it with the best most valuable relevant results for that consumer because if they don't do that people are going to stop using google 
So at the end of the day, they want to match you with the best quality content they can and, and monetize that along the way. So when you say this is going to change everything from an SEO perspective, every time there's an algorithm out there, every time there's something, whether it's mobile Geddon or Penguin or Panda or whatever, people freak out and everyone tries to knee-jerk reaction and tries to change their entire strategy as, as it pertains to SEO. And that's what Google's trying to tell everyone to stop doing that. Well, there's nothing you can do about this. Well, you stop chasing, if you stop chasing the algorithm and start providing quality content for the consumer and you focus on my, my business is going to be optimized in a way so that when I am the right choice, I'm most likely to show up. That's all you need to do with SEO. It's not, it's not rocket science. And you can know. I say for what are, this is going on my epitaph. You cannot put traffic in your bank account. You can't put rankings even, you know? But if you rank for something that you shouldn't rank for and you're getting irrelevant traffic, what's the, what point? Is, what's the point? Right. Yeah, it's all vanity metrics at the end of the day, right? So people saying, oh, I dropped five places on Austin Hotels. Well, but what did it do to your business, you know? And where are you Where are you gaining that? And what can you do to optimize? Have you gone into your Google My Business and optimized everything you can? Have you added amenities? Have you answered the FAQs? Have you... You know, put in your op- operating hours. Have you updated new photos? If you haven't done that stuff, stop, stop bitching because that's what Google wants you to do and that's what's going to win you the SEO game at the end yeah. of the day. Again, I mean, this is better for the end user, which is yeah. their their total goal here. But just a little tip, if you fill a ton of spots for you know, hotels near me and you think you should be ranking for that in your little area, you can pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Convenient, huh? And if you want to understand more about updating your Google My Business, this is a little dated now because it was, I don't know, a year ago we published this episode, but episode 81 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. The award-winning Fuel Hotel Marketing oh, Podcast. I haven't gotten to that yet. But episode 81 of the podcast did um, talk about how to optimize for Google My Business. So Sorry, did I steal your thunder? You did. Oh, you, just, you just buried the lead, <laughs> I'm so good at that. That's okay. So I was about to, literally about to say, Will, guess what, buddy? You you are, um, you are first to witness something magical. Are you ready for this? Oh yeah, I'm ready. So we are no longer the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. We are now the award-winning Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast because we okay. just we just picked up um, an Adrian Award from HSMEIs. Adrian's in. Uh, this is the first time we've ever entered anything into this competition, and it's it's considered by most like the Oscars of the hotel industry. So you know, for spits and giggles, we decided we'd throw our hat in the ring with a few things. We entered eight different categories. We won seven, including wow. two, two golds, which is the best you can get um, at, at this point. I, I guess we're still in the running for platinums. But one of the golds we won was for the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. So now we can officially say. We are an award-winning podcast, which is... Holy cow. And you're the first guest to appear on the award-winning Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. How about that? i got to step up my game, Stuart. I know. No <laughs> pressure there, Will. No pressure. Um, but speaking of HSMI, before we jump into the topic, I do want to say um, that they have an amazing conference. A marketing. It used to be called the Digital Marketing Strategy Conference, and that's just the Marketing Strategy Conference. Um, and it's in January uh, every year at the Marriott Marquis in New York. It's a one-day event. They have stuff either side of it. So the Adrian's is on the 21st of January this year. The Marketing Strategy Conference is on the 22nd. And they have some roundtable events either side of it. And they also do an, a CHDM prep course. So for those of you who don't know, 
HSMAI puts out um, certifications for revenue managers, salespeople, and marketers. So Certified Hospitality Digital Marketer, CHDM, they do a prep course the Tuesday before the conference. So if you're looking to get a foot up in the industry and the marketing side, then I, I would say this is a great event or you know, a couple of days to attend. Go get your CHDM prep done. It's usually that course is led by Holly Zoba, who's amazing. And um, and then the conference itself on the on the Wednesday is great. It has the, the best speakers. It had folks from Amazon and Google last year. It was really, really good. It's one of my favorite conferences of the year. So we'll put links to register for those events on our show notes, which is fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on episode 126. But I love HSMAI. It's a really good organization. And this, this to me, is the best event they put on the hotel um, marketing strategy conference. So there's the plug. And it's not because we got a gold Adrian Award. It's just because I love it. So there. Yeah. All righty then. So let's jump into the meat of the, the, the topic at hand, Will. So you've, you've been in hotel operations for how long? Uh, I want to say almost five years. Yeah. Close to that. Yeah. Um, go and ahead. How, how much during that time, how much have you dealt on the marketing side? Has it all been kind of focused on the operational side? It's always been, yeah, always operational side. I, I started out at front desk, had an autograph collection with Marriott. Yeah. And um, that was pretty much like the start of my love and kind of like geekiness of the hotel industry. And then I really started playing with the marketing stuff about maybe a little over two years ago. But I had a business beforehand um, doing chauffeurs and events stuff. And um, so I learned how to pick up kind of like marketing and Facebook and all the other stuff uh, through that. And I yeah. kind of applied it to what I know operationally with the hotels. So in your opinion, as you've kind of gone through your career, do you see these silos that people talk about a lot between, you know, revenue management and, and the operational side of like housekeeping, the day to day front desk and, and then the marketing? Do you see these big gaps? Yeah, I honestly do, because I coming from the operational side, I'm now a certified revenue manager through Cornell University. So I kind of see both sides of the, the fence. And with uh, with that, I'm trying to, I guess, start the conversation in those types of meetings and everything of. Hey, like housekeeping does take this long. It does cost us this much to do this. Um, you know, there's all certain metrics and everything that go into it and kind of starting the conversation behind the doors where it's not really brought up. And so, yeah, it's, there's a big gap from what I've seen mm -hmm. in the time. I've been in. Yeah. So the thing that really stood out to me, there's a lot of podcasts in this industry and a lot of them are not the best. Right. But one of the things that stood out to me about yours was your passion for hospitality and guest experience like that was really i think it took you a couple of episodes of your show to get into the swing of it but when you started just being really authentic and talking from the heart about how much you deeply care about hospitality that's when it was like ah oh, this is a little different this is something i want to pay attention to and and i really feel like you know that that in part is the secret to everything we're about to talk about is you you've got to actually care you've got to give a you know what to to want to do a better job for the guest at the end of the day, whether you're in marketing or housekeeping or revenue management or front desk, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we're in the hospitality business. And I think that's the, the key part. So with that said, let's jump in. You, you came up with five things. This is your list of, of things to do to help bridge that gap and things that will help get alignment between between the different teams within the organization. So let's kick off with number one, 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 one. one, one, one. 
All right, yeah, number one. Um, I, to me, being from the kind of the, the, the trenches right out the gate, being front desk, um, I think it really takes the right type of person. And so I think step number one is hiring the right people. Um, not everybody can handle the pressure of front desk because um, you have housekeeping and maintenance and sometimes depending on the size of the hotel or what type of property, um, you got valet and food and beverage and room service and sales and all the other things that go into it. And um, you got like it's up to you to really make sure the flow of the guest and the check-in experience and the stay is going according to how the hotel is operating at that certain point. And um, so you have a lot of pressure. You have a lot of people kind of like yelling at you, whether the guest is pissed off or like whatever it may be. You have a you have a lot to handle. And so. Um, as a manager side, like for the operations, I think hiring for emotional intelligence and hospitality traits um, is really important. Uh, just like you said, you really have to care about the guest. That's like our number one priority. That's how we get paid. That's how we uh, have a job is because people are traveling and they do care about the cleanliness of their room, the experience and the conversation they have when they check in, the outside of the hotel when they're arriving, like they care about how it looks and how it makes them feel once they arrive on property. So I think hiring for those traits is really important because um, I had a guest on my show uh, when I first started who was talking about um, hospitality traits and kind of how to tell um, if somebody really does care about others. Um, we can all be very impressed by resumes. Uh, I know I built my resume to look bigger than it may be um, in some cases, kind of depending on what it was. But um, with that, you really... Can, it can look pretty on paper, but at the same time, if they don't give a you-know-what about the guest or about their team, um, it, it's not going to benefit the property or anything like that. And so that's kind of like my main, yeah. main one. There's a question that you, you tend to ask folks now, right, which is kind of gives it is a good litmus test for what type of person they are about what they would do if they won a million bucks. Yeah, I well, actually, no, is, it, is that what it was, or is it the end of the world? Yeah, so the I got the question from Scott Stanfield, who again was on the show with me, and um, it his he goes by off of uh, you know if you had six months to live, what would That's you do? Right. And um, it seems like a basic question, and everyone asks that question in multiple different versions. Um, but really, if they kind of answer saying, "Oh, I would go skydiving, and I would do this, and I would." rob a bank and take all the money and go do whatever and you know it's not really talking about you know i would spend time with my mom and dad or i'd take them on this trip or i would spend i would take my daughter and make sure that she has the best memories of that uh, of me in that last six months mm -hmm. that I, you know th where they're talking about other people and that is so huge to tell on their character right away um which i actually really like to kind of it throws the 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 interview off in a little bit because um, they're not expecting it. They're kind of just expecting, why did you leave this job early or why were you only here for two years instead of this place when you're here for five? Like, you know, basic interview questions. And so um, for me, I really like to see what their answer is and kind of go off of that because then you can also tell how their body language goes and if they're, I don't know, you can kind of tell I'm pretty good uh, from checking in people and getting to be with thousands and thousands of different types of people and different cultures and everything. Um, you can kind of tell when someone's kind of yanking your chain or maybe being honest in a, in a lot of aspects. So yeah. Um, and, so and how much they care about people. Yeah. We, we ask a lot of similar questions in, 
our interview process because we, we kind of have a philosophy here that we will hire aptitude and attitude over experience any day of the week and you know showing that you care about other people is in any any vocation is really important but especially in hospitality one of the ways we frame it is we ask them about you know we, we have a shopping cart analogy so are you the kind of person that puts their shopping cart away after you've unloaded the groceries or do you leave it next to the, the door or next to your yeah. car and drive off in uh you know the types of people that, that don't care about other people are just going to leave their shopping cart right next to their car drive off and who knows what's going to happen next but you know those that get hired at fuel are the kind that will walk a hundred yards if that's what it takes to put their shopping cart back where it belongs because they care about the other people around them even the ones they don't see yeah if someone leaves their shopping cart next to their car and they answer the question that way we're just kicking them right out yeah honestly if you're that person and you listen to the show i don't want you don't to listen do to the show anymore no seriously either either stop it or, or delete the show from your catalog unsubscribe you are a selfish person that does that takes an extra five ten seconds so just do it yeah it's the right thing to do so yeah um yeah, I think that's great. So I that, love this question so much that I think all dating apps should put it as part of your profile. <laughs> I'm not even exaggerating. No, I think people would start gaming the system and they know how to answer it. <laughs> that was funny. All right, so let's jump on to number two. two, 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 two. Uh, well, reason number two, I think uh, defining your why and giving your team a unified purpose is, again, another... Like, I don't know, I think this one... No, no, this definitely is second for a good reason, but it's really close to the first reason. And I think um, when you have unified purposes and unified missions, um, it really keeps, uh, there's a couple things really to it. It, it keeps us accountable. Um, you know, we have a purpose that can drag us back if we get off track to kind of, I don't know, the best way I use it as analogies when you're going down a trail, right? And then you get kind of lost and you go off a trail a little bit, but it kind of guides you right back in. Uh, it's kind of like that sign that you can refresh yourself and remind yourself of why you're doing something. Yeah, a lot I of just, people call that like a north star or something that yeah, guides, guiding guides star. direction. Yeah, yeah, definitely. For me, I just know like it. I love people, and I've always have, and I think I always will, unless somebody just really pisses me off someday. But um, it it really comes to the point of you you do get beaten down. I think in the trenches um, with when things go wrong, there's a lot of complaints. And especially for me, I take a lot of pride in my job and I take a lot of pride in the property and just kind of like my guests and my team. So sometimes that can be a, a, a negative aspect really, because then you become really just emotionally tired and um, having a mission statement and just having a unified purpose really does help kind of lift that, um, that spirit right back up and kind of remember why you're doing the thing that you're doing. And so um, that's really like, what I see being huge in teams because I've seen a team in my experience from being in the trenches as a front desk agent to being a, a, a manager that when we don't have that, there's no collaboration between, you know, the AM and PM shift or the mid shift. Like there's nothing and the guests can really see that. And, like, and of course that's reason number one. Uh, we, we want to make sure that we're having the right people to, to really take care of the guests. And so, when we're not working together, the guests see that and it really affects. Yeah, I think oh, yeah. having a having a unified purpose like that can create a team. So, you know, when, when everybody has a, a specified goal, you know, even if it's it's not just a bunch of individuals anymore, it's it, it becomes a team when everyone is, you know, striving for the same same objective. Yeah, and, and, and when I when we do orientation with new employees, I talk about that a lot, about how 
you know, you have to, when you work here, you have to be a fueligan first and then a whatever you are second. So in Melissa's case, director of analytics second. Her, how she contributes to the team is different than Phil, but both, both of them are working towards the same goal, like to the success of our customers, our clients, and ultimately their customers. But, it, it, you know, the analogy that often gets used is a sporting one. So if, if, if I'm a soccer player, you've got different people on the team. You have defenders, you have offensive players, you have goalkeepers. And if you only focused on your part of the scorecard, it wouldn't make sense. So if the defenders came off the field and said, we conceded two goals or we conceded one goal, but they don't have the context of what the offense did, it, they don't know if they won or lost, right? And then if, likewise, if the offense comes off and said, we scored two goals, but they don't know what the def- defense did, they don't know if they won. So the best companies that I see in this industry and the ones that have really bridged that gap between operations and marketing are the ones that have a central score sheet and they're using the same metrics across every single department. So everyone knows that their their definition of winning is the same as everyone else and they know how they uniquely contribute to the to the win and it just gets that alignment that north star that everyone can work towards and i think it helps as a decision making process when you're an employee you know you're given a choice between action a and action b and then all you need to do is like okay which one of these two decisions is putting me towards the goal that we need to be making exactly yeah yeah and like there's a it can it stops the conversation or the argument sort of you know i'm sales so i only do this or i'm front desk, I only do this, that's not my job. Um, it really kind of takes that away and says, no, we are X, Y, and Z property, and this is our goal, this is our mission. And I think that's really what's the most important part. I've, it, it, again, this is kind of going to the third the third um, kind of top point or whatever, um, but for me, it's really, I've seen that so much. Well, I'm front desk, I'm just, or I'm just housekeeping. That doesn't, how does that affect the guests or whatever? And it really takes the excuse of that reasoning to just be non-avoid and just say, hey, no, we are this property. We are a team. Right. We That's are- a great segue. Let's jump into number three because I think it three, leads three, on to that. Three, 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 three. Uh, well, number three, I think the number uh, number third important um, reason is just to keep investing in ongoing training for all team members. Um, I know just recently when – or not just recently. I'll use it when I was uh, a green front desk agent at – an autograph collection. Um, you, I was front desk, so we had multiple departments. It was 716 rooms, 60,000 square feet of event space, like nonstop, busy, busy hotel. And um, we had all these, you know, different departments, and all of them were very close in vicinity-wise. You know, there's valet, there's restaurant, there's room service right behind the front desk, and everything going on. And so. A lot of the times, I loved I loved watching like valet people run and go get the car, and I loved seeing the the room service people prep and get everything ready to go deliver. Like, I kind of adventured away from the front desk a lot, and my manager would always get really mad at me. He'd be like, "We'll get back to the front desk," but um, but really, I wanted to see the um, the overall whole picture. It's like an hourglass painting, or not hourglass painting, but hourglass um, mural where if you kind of look at one piece of glass, it's kind of ugly and it's not very attractive. But when you step back a little bit, you see the whole picture. It's really beautiful. And um, so I kind of always gone away from the front desk and I was always curious. But a lot of properties don't allow their teams to do that and get involved in other departments. And so I think when you, as a manager or even an owner of a property, 
invest and kind of encourage the the dual training where um, front desk can learn maintenance and can learn housekeeping and can learn part of breakfast or whatever it may be and get the extra experience so that way the guests when they do have an issue and you're the only one on property or you're the only one that is available to help you know how to help in so many different ways that your yeah. tool belt is just so expanded it just makes sense yeah and I, that, again you know that, there's a blueprint i think to success and we, we just talked about part of that being having a score sheet that everyone can you know the same playbook but it, but another one i see commonly is and it starts with leadership is having that mentality that you're your servant leader that you're going to roll up your sleeves and do the job that needs to get done the gms that walk the property and engage their guests are going to have way more success and going to retain employees get guests to come back more and more than those that are stuck behind a spreadsheet in their office all day and uh, you know a lot of our clients now are beginning to do this thing where regardless of your department you start out front desk or you start out in reservation so you get to see first hand even if your your job is going to be i'm going to be running social media for the marketing department you have to yeah. spend a week before you do anything else engaging with the guest because at the end of the day we're all in the business of serving the guest our function is different but they're the if, if we don't have the guest and we're not making them happy we're all out of a job isn't it chick-fil-a that has that model there you have to work your way up from the very bottom like from the you have to work every I single I've heard that before position maybe i know a few companies do that but you can't just come in as a manager right. having never worked the, the yes. cash register yeah well, i mean we're talking about training but i think you know retraining um, existing employees, even in their own position, can can be hugely beneficial. It, it gets people excited about their job again. If you can teach them something new about something they feel has become monotonous, um, you know that that type of stuff can go a long way as well. No, I hundred percent agree. And I think just kind of like back to the first point when I was talking about resume builders, like. I think it's always important to have your me book or your yourself book, which um, you can bring and add value. But how much more value would that be if you are cross trained in so many different fields that when you do end up looking for a new opportunity, or maybe if you've been experienced in all these other different fields, you can apply it to so many ways and it can benefit not only your team and the property, but the guest. And that's what is really important. I think when the guests see that you do so many different things, because trust me, I have seen um, guests come up to me or to my other staff members that are trained in these different areas and they're impressed and they're they're blown away by the service because nobody told them oh hey let me radio maintenance because this isn't my job in a nicer way um, they didn't have that experience they had yes I'm on it and I'm going to do it and I don't need to get anybody because right now you're my priority yeah yeah, I, I would say this, you know, from my personal career, and this isn't the hospitality industry, even though we service the hospitality industry, I started out at this company as an entry-level programmer, and I've, I've worn just about every hat as I've worked my way through the company. Some of those, I've created the positions, right? We didn't have a marketing department when I started, so I was the marketing department for a while. But the advantage that I've had of, of doing a lot of the roles that people in the company do really helps me in a couple ways. One, one it helps me problem-solve for them, but it also yeah. helps me have an empathy for the struggles they go through, you know, so I, I'm, I'm more understanding when there are challenges or issues, and, and not only can I help them solve it, but I can be more tolerant and give them more resources to help them solve it. So I think coming into something as, as a manager, not understanding the nuts and bolts of what it is the people that you manage do, it, it, you're never going to be as good at the job, I think. So 
yeah. understanding every role and trying every role is important, especially because a lot of folks that are in the marketing and then a lot of people that listen to the show are, are marketers, right? They're not necessarily on the operational side. I would guess a lot of them have never been on the operational side of hospitality. Give it a go. You know, I talk to your your GM or your owner and say, you know, let can I sit on the front desk or you know work the front desk for a week? Just I want to see that experience. I want to experience the guest. It'll help yeah. me be a better marketer. It'll help me understand the guest. Because as a marketer, the number one thing you can do to be a better marketer is to understand your guest better. The more face-to-face time you have talking to your guest, understanding why they chose your property, what they like, what they don't like, why they why they chose um, this time to come versus another time. You know all those things that you can't get unless you have meaningful conversations with the guests. It's a great opportunity if you work the front desk. Well, there, there's so many surveys and, and you know other ways out there that you can kind of find this information, which is great and great tools. But to be honest, every time I'm at the desk with my team or from being in the desk, I hear so many comments and insights on the guest on why they booked. Yeah. Like, I saw your Google page had great reviews. Great. Then you can focus on that avenue as mm-hmm. a marketer. Then also, you can hear the complaints on what to change. It's, it's so important. You can find the highlights of the property. I love the breakfast and the waffles are great. Sweet. Let's highlight the waffles on our next post or let's do this on whatever channel. And it can give you so much more deeper insight. And it's going to mean something to you. You're going to remember that person's smile and the feeling and everything else that just kind of ties into, of course, guest service and all that good stuff. And on the flip side of that, you can also find the friction points. What is it that that the guests don't like? You know, did you do something operationally because it made sense from a financial perspective or an efficiency perspective? But is it having a detrimental effect? You know, maybe, maybe you just reduced your thread count on your sheets because it saved you a buttload of money. But it's a noticeable negative impact. And so that guest that's been there every year for the last 10 years is now saying, you know, I love this property, but I got to tell you, the sheets aren't as good as they used to be. That's important information that you will not get from a server. You'll only get it from having one-to-one communication. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, we on, on my team, we're all, always reading reviews for our clients, you know, to kind of, again, figure out pain points. But reviews can only get you so far. It's stuff like, you know, talking to the guest by specifically sitting there, listening to them or hearing stuff that, you know, people might not leave in a review that can trigger right. an idea or thought that could be a great marketing initiative. Right. Because reviews tend to be the extremes on both sides. Right? Of people course. Either had a really horrific experience or amazing experience. So you miss that middle road, which is probably the vast majority of people. If you think about a bell curve and you miss those little things that aren't enough to drive someone to leave a negative review, but it erodes the brand trust, mm-hmm. erodes the relationship, and stuff that's probably preventable if you're aware that it's happening. Yeah, yeah. 100%. It's, it's, it's all about taking action, I think, really. We hear all these comments in the lobby or going down the hall uh, operationally, um, and it it just comes down to the point of pulling the trigger and being like, okay, our guests don't like this. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. All right, so let's jump. Let's keep it moving forward. Let's go on to number four. Four, 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 four. Yeah, number four. Um, I think ensure uh, effective communication and hold cross-department uh, meetings. So it kind of goes back to number three. But um, so often, like I said, you know, I'm sales. I don't do this. Or I'm front desk. I don't do that. I'm housekeeping. I don't do this. Um, that's that's in the past. That's no longer um, in the industry, or it shouldn't be. Um, it's it's dead to me. And uh, well. Uh, cross-training like benefits of property as a whole and then um, for me like for our team uh, currently whenever I bring on a new front desk agent I actually throw them into housekeeping for a week 
and then they go to maintenance for another week and then they actually start learning their front desk job because um, that to me is the most important part. I want them to understand the house calls and to understand what the guest is experiencing in the room because when you just check in and check out people, it really, um, you don't see the after effect. You just hear their experience afterwards or during their stay. You don't get to experience it in a different way like maintenance and housekeeping do when they're doing stayover service or when they're actually checking out a room and uh, cleaning it for the next guest. So uh, I think using the effective communication tools, there's tons of stuff out there. Um, for me, we use Slack. Um, it's a great little mm-hmm. messaging app that we can all communicate in different channels. Yeah. Um, ensuring different ways, of course, radio chatter is great. Um, it's pretty instant as long as people have their radios on them and all that good stuff. But um, it builds community when you have the, the communications. We invite um, our staff to join us in revenue meetings, and we invite them to come see what it's like on the, on the, app, on the back end of stuff because, especially if they're interested, there's nothing that's going to kill your team and all the other topics that we've talked about now um, if you don't encourage the interest of getting cross-trained and going to different types of meetings and learning new things. And for me... I always like to say that actions speak louder than sitting in a manager meeting. So when you are in the manager role, in the operations role, you can have all your manager meetings all you want and talk about all the operations stuff that you want, but action speaks louder than words. And I think that's going to really tie into our, our fifth point. Yep. So let's jump on to number five. Five, 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 five. Yeah. Number five, lead by example. Um, so many times that, I have needed so much help when I was a front desk agent and uh, I never got the help. I was kind of, I was stuck. Like if a guest had a question or an issue that I couldn't resolve, um, I felt helpless and I never got the help that I needed and um, it really, really affects the guest experience. So I think when you're in the manager role and the operations role, you need to lead by example. You need to jump in in the trenches. There's so many times that I've seeing that housekeeping is behind their metric and that we're not going to have the rooms ready by four o'clock, which we guarantee for all our, all, all our guests that I'm in my suit and tie and I'm cleaning toilets. Like it, it really, again, I think this is the big point that communicates and ties all these other points in together is that you build community with your team when you're leading by example and jumping in the trenches and when you're investing in the ongoing training, cause you're leading by example that you've been trained in these other areas um, you're acting out your why and your unified purpose. And of course, um, they're seeing that you've hired the right people, that you are one of the right people that can lead and show that example. So, yeah, couldn't agree. Well, I mean that whole servant leadership philosophy, I think is the, the quintessential difference between a, a property that's well run and one that's just a real estate investment for someone that they don't really care. Um, we see it again and again, again, like I said earlier, the GM that's out shaking hands with the guest and fixing their problems and, and checking people in and doing that stuff is going to always win over that, that person that's tinkering with the spreadsheets, trying to figure out a way to squeeze the extra bit of ADR or the extra bit of occupancy. It's, it's all about the guest. It always has been, always will be. That will never change. And unless you're interacting with the guest, unless you're doing the job, the dirty work, as it were, you're never going to be successful in the long term as a property. I agree. And I, I am kind of scared. Like I, to be honest, I have seen like a lot of the, well, I'm the GM or I'm X, Y, and Z position. And, um, I'm gonna, 
I'm going to do what my job title is, and that's doing the spreadsheets or doing this. And I'm scared that's going to continue to keep happening. And so I think it just really comes down to the point. If anybody you know out there is listening in the operations side, you need to start leading by example and don't let that die because um, I don't know what the next generation or my generation of hoteliers is going to have to look up to. You know? Yeah, and you know, I think it's always going to be some on one. There's going to be people that put away their shopping carts and people that don't, right? I think the good thing is, as long as you know in your heart that you're the person that puts away your shopping cart, that you lead by example. Do you not like yeah. that? Analogy? I love it. I no, use it too I, much. No, I, I um, think it's perfect. The, the, if you're not that kind of person, then, or let me rephrase that: if you are that kind of person, you can rest assured that for for every one of you, there's probably one that doesn't, and you're going to beat them every single time. You're going to out-hustle them. You're going to outwork them. You're going to outthink them. You're going to be more successful in your career and with your property right now than someone that doesn't care about the rest of that stuff. And imparting that on the rest of your staff, if you are the GM and you're the one doing it, I think you know that if, say, they were the person who would leave the shopping cart, if you show them why it's important to go put it away, you know, you might be you might be changing some some behavior along the way too. Right. And I was I was talking to Melissa about this yesterday. Like we we have a kind of cultural thing in our company about how as staff are the most important thing. Like this is a family at Fuel. And um, that was was taught to me by the owner of the company when I first joined. And it was taught to me very early and not by him specifically saying that to me, but by him demonstrating that to me, by taking care of employees when they had problems, right? By whether that was financially or being flexible with their schedule or being understanding and empathetic when they were going through some tough time, his actions resonated with me. And I've continued that through the company. And I think that's like a cornerstone of our success. And it all came, it came from leadership and ownership back in the day. But that guy has been, he's not been in the company for, you know, over five, six years now. And yet that piece of him still lives on because he he gave that to me. I hopefully have given that to you guys and the mm-hmm. other leaders within the company, that we all understand that that's that's what makes us special. That's what makes us different. I think that's everybody's answer. Coming back to the interview portion, when we get that, you know, everybody we interview always asks the same question: Why do you like working here? And I think mm-hmm. that's just a resounding because we're family kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, and operationally, we always talk about you know lowering our turnover rate and increasing ADR and occupancy and RevPAR and all these other things. But um, when you're not taking of taking care of your other asset, which is your team, um, it's it's incredible to see the cost effective behind it. And then, of course, the other top five things that we just talked about not falling into place because you're not being empathetic, you're not putting the card away, so to speak. And and of course, the team is a huge, huge part of that. Yeah, for sure. It always comes down to people, whether that's the guest or, or the employees. It's always about people and, and relationships. But this is great stuff, man. I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your your experience with us and your wisdom. We, we're trying to plug some of the gaps we have, you know, because we, we focus so much on marketing. We, we had Stephanie recently on the show who was talking about flag properties because we don't really work with them. I think we're going to get a revenue management person on the show too to talk about that too. But this operational perspective and the staff training is really important. And anyone listening to the show... You know, I, I would encourage you to go and get to know your teammates that aren't in your specific yeah. department. Go learn what makes them tip. Why Why did they like hospitality? Why do they love the company that you, you work for? You know, the more you collaborate with your teammates, the better and stronger that your team is going to be. And ultimately, the better experience the guest is going to have. So whether you're an owner, whether you're a marketer, 
whether you're a housekeeper, whatever it is, you're part of a bigger team than just your role. And, and the more you embrace that and more you look at yourself as like we do a fuel again first, a whatever we do second, then I think the better success you're going to have as your, in your career and the better success your property is going to have. Yeah, well, I just I appreciate you thinking this way because, you know, as, as the, you know, what I do, marketing, yeah. uh, improving the operations always helps us do the, the marketing side of things. So we like to see people with this mentality. For sure. Oh, it's, uh, we, we just got to live and breathe it. That's, that's the main thing. If you really are in the industry, I think living and breathing every way possible yeah. is just the way to do it. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing about marketers, right? Our job is to shine a light on the on the product and, and whether that's a good, bad, or indifferent, you know, we, we can only amplify what it is. So if the rooms aren't getting cleaned properly or the staff are grouchy or, you know, the, this, the maintenance is deficient at the property, no amount of marketing can overcome that. You know, operationally, you've got to have a good product and friendly staff and create a great experience for us to be able to be successful as marketers. So, Lipstick on a pig is still a pig. <laughs> it's exactly right. So, yeah, I, I, I wish more people would look at it as one team, you know, the team first, your fuel guns first, your a, a digital marketer second, whatever it is. You find that, that kind of unifying team name for your team. I think labeling it can, can have psychologically a, a good impact on it. Definitely but, does. Um, you know, your team, whatever the property is first, um, I know there's a group we work with um, called Britain Resorts, and they've adopted a, um, they, they call their team Blue, because their logo is blue, so they have shirts and lo- logo um, clothing, which has part of Team Blue on it. So they, they're kind of putting everyone, regardless of whether you're maintenance or housekeeping or front desk, they're all wearing the same team color, right? This blue color with the logo Team Blue on it, and I think that just sets a really good precedent and, and a tone throughout the entire organization yeah definitely stands out in the guest eyes i bet it's just walking in and seeing a bunch of staff wearing blue shirts and yeah yeah i think that's awesome i love that yeah well cool well will if this is your chance to give a shameless plug so if someone wants to find out more about you or listen to your great podcast where can they do that uh yes you can go to slicktalkthepodcast.com forward slash podcast and then um also I have a uh, a business as well with a couple of partners, and we, um, you know, it's called Open Road Hospitality, where we do a lot of um, cool tech services. We have a couple of clients that we promote, and then also marketing and revenue management, and we dabble a lot in the vacation rental market. So, if you want to learn more, you can go to OpenRoadHospitality.com about that too. Cool. Well, I appreciate being on the show today and putting these notes together. This has been a great conversation. Thank you for being here. Um, again, to everyone listening, all of the Fueligan nation out there, you are honorary Fueligans, whether this is your first time listening to the show or your 126th time, you are part of our family. And we would love to hear from you. So if you have questions, uh, you can submit those, info at fueltravel.com. Or you can hit us up on Twitter at Fuel Travel. And then if you really feel so inclined, we would really love it. It's been a couple of months. We haven't had a review, guys. I would really like to see a review from someone on Apple um, Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. That really helps people find it. And short of that, if you're not the kind of person that wants to go leave a review, then just tell someone about the show. Like Find a colleague or someone in the industry that you think would benefit from listening to the show and just say, hey, go check out the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. These guys like to have some fun. 
and occasionally they see, say weird words like McClunky. Or Plinth. Plinth. Or Plinth, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's the end of the show. Again, you can get the show notes, fueltravel.com slash podcast. Click on episode 126. Don't forget to go sign up for the um, HSMAI Marketing Strategy Conference in January in New York. It is amazing. I will be there. So I will be giving out free handshakes to anyone that wants one. <laughs> <laughs> we have people take me up on that at the at the recent direct booking summit from Triptease. We had 10 different people came up to me and said that they listened to the um, to the show. So they got handshakes and a few of them got hugs too because there was some fanatical fans. You gave out a hug? I, I'm not a wow. hugger in general, but I gave Those out some Those people hugs. are, are hey, lucky and they don't know it. If you listen to our podcast, I'm happy to give you a hug. So um, yeah, so hopefully you want a hug at HSMI Marketing <laughs> Conference. I hope someone comes randomly hugs you and doesn't say they're a listener first. (laughs) (laughs) It may or may not have already happened. Um, But we'll put the links to register for that event on the show notes. Again, fueltravel.com slash podcast. Click on episode 126. And uh, Melissa, if they want to find you on the web, where can they do that? I am on Twitter at M-A-Kavanaugh, M-A-K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. And Phil? You can find me on Twitter at P-Fariska, P-F-O-R-I-S-K-A. And Will, do you have a Twitter account or anywhere they can find you? Uh, I don't do Twitter. I'm sorry. I'm not a, as up to date as my generation. That's but okay. I do Facebook, uh, Slick Talk Podcast, or yeah, Slick Talk Podcast, Instagram, Will Slickers, Will with one L, W I L S L I C K E R S. Great. Thanks. You can find me at Stuart Butler. You can find us collectively at Fuel Travel. Again, if you're not on the Twitters, then you can go email us info at fueltravel.com. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. Uh, do you do any impressions of anything? Um, I can do like a chipmunk sound. How in the world are you what? making How did you That's make that That's impressive. Uh, so really, if you could see me, you would see that I'm like doing like a kissy face. But instead of doing a kiss, I'm sucking air in. And my lips are relaxing. I used to play trumpet, so uh, I can kind of control the uh, the muscles in my mouth and let it just hang out. That was wild. <laughs> That's the end of our show. There you have it. I will. That was very McClunky. Yeah.